Podcast. 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 Are we saying podcast? Welcome back. Welcome back to Fanboys in the Filthy Casual. Back at you once again. As usual, this is Dennis. This is Lewis. And this is Harold. Today we have a serious um, topic today. Uh, but before we do dive into there, we kind of want to give us like a, a little like a teaser, a little taste of joy and happiness before we move into something serious. So um, today we're going to start us off with poopery, and I'm going to start first because I'm pretty excited about it. I think you guys uh, were able to see, uh, or at least uh, t- see the news for Nintendo Direct. Uh, Nintendo Direct, yes, 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 that is okay. correct. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe we can, I was thinking of listing through it, but um, what were some of the games or what, what were some of the announcements that um, caught your fancy over there? Uh, personally, so yeah, the Nintendo Direct was pretty short, pretty sweet, but a great taste of things to come. I guess next year is the 35th anniversary for the Mario Brothers franchise. So, you know, uh, Nintendo's tentpole franchise is getting that big birthday celebration. So, um, one of the big ones that I really, really got excited for and, uh, really liked off the bat was the new Mario Kart uh, uh, the new Mario Kart entry coming out next year. So it looks like, I mean, I guess they're not numbering them anymore like they did with Mario Kart 8. I think that was the last one to come out uh, on the Wii. And I think they got they, it also ported over to the Switch. But, um, you know, this really got me excited because if anything that if there's one thing that Nintendo's gotten over a lot of its competitors are their wonderful wonderful collectible toys so this one for Mario Kart this new gimmick of theirs is they're basically integrated a new RC toy to yeah. the game so like if you see the commercial it looks super cool where you're watching the game or excuse me you're playing the game on your switch while your actual RC runs around your room and if you're anybody from this commercial apparently you have a huge old living room to do all this in but um, I don't know if I'm going to do all that but that got me excited because like I said um, Nintendo's uh, knocked it out of the park with their whole Amiibo uh, idea I mean you know I I love collecting those little things they're they're made uh, such high quality little toys and collectibles I can't wait to see what they do for this one so that's that's one of the ones that really got me excited. Um, I agree. And I, I, I kind of um, going so, off your... Oh, go ahead, Harold. No, no, no. Uh, go ahead. Oh, that was a huge delay. Um, <laughs> no, I said go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I started talking and you were like... And, and all of a sudden, you, you, you never mind. Oh, really? So, yeah, like... There was like I'm a 10-second delay before <laughs> like, you jumped in. On my side, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, as I was saying, one of the things that I, I, I popped in my head was I don't think I can play that game in my house because um, the way my, my townhouse is, it's like different levels. So I really don't have, aside from maybe doing like a circular like oval track, like It'll be like like the the first like Mario track or something like that. Um, I'm pretty screwed over, dude. <laughs> because <laughs> I I agree with it, Lewis. It was just watching the um watching the video or uh, the commercial, the only thing I can think of is how long is this house? It, it just keeps on going, and they're sort of turning and turning. I'm, I'm envisioning it where my 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 the the the, the car is going to go like five seconds. It has to turn five seconds. Turn and then the end of the my match already, dude. Um, so I'm excited about it because 
anytime that as as you said, Lou, anytime there's collectibles like that, um, anytime there's like uh, any cool gimmicky electronics, I'm down for it. But the only thing though is they need to come up with more characters. If it's just um, Mario and uh, and Luigi, I'm I'm not gonna be buying it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting too that it, it's it, it is porting into the real world, and like you said it will kind of only make sense if you have a big space for anything. Like otherwise, like Dennis said, if you just have a small area that you're able to play with, or even like multiple like uh, leveled areas, it's not going to be as, you can't have, um, I know gravity is a funny thing, but it's not going to work in, you know, the other way uh, in terms of, you know, trying to flip, flip a, you know, bust a, a U-turn somewhere. You can't build a rainbow road in like a regular normal house. Like anyone who even considers himself having kind of a big house and whatnot, it, it's just it just seems like chaos <laughs> in that terms. Like, like if you think stepping on Legos is a bad idea, I think this might be a little bit worse. But uh, it's a cool concept. I like the idea. I like that they're going for something a little bit different. Um, super gimmicky. I don't know how. Like you say, I or I kind of tend to go with the. I don't know how this is gonna work in regular people's houses that don't live in maybe say Calabasas or Encino, which is what those kind of houses look like. But uh, for what it is, like if you, you know, even if you're able to do it, say in like a, like a, a, a your garage and one that, then it's just something that's not permanent. I guess I wouldn't say that this is the next iteration of how the game should be, mm-hmm. obviously. It's just something that's kind of like a fun thing, kind of like the whole uh, Nintendo Labs kind of deal. But yeah, it seems fun. For me, and let me jump in there. Um, the one that I, the the one item in the Nintendo Direct uh, that I was really excited for, and it's because I'm I don't know, kind of nerdy, is uh, the Game and Watch Special Edition, yep. where you can play uh, original Super Mario Brothers, dude. I don't know, something about that concept um, blew my mind. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted. I still remember owning um, or, or like Nintendo Game and Watch in the past, um, just so that I can be carrying that around. Um, I'm I'm up for uh, for that one. I, I'm that's the one I was looking forward to. It's already available for pre-order. Oh chic! Is it? You say oh chic? <laughs> oh chic! I I I, I realized I don't want to edit myself, so I just decided to talk about somebody from <laughs> the Middle East. Nice dude. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, I'm actually looking forward to the uh, to that one surprise bundle that's going to be only available for a limited time, the Super Mario All Stars. Mainly because Mario sixty four. Yeah, Up, and upgraded and Up, optimized. Yes, I, I I don't know though. That game was perfect. I, I so at least so far from what I've read, the only optimization really is so that it would look and work for the switch because i just based on the um just based on the initial video it still looks kind of rough you know yeah. i don't think they they're like updating it's not like a final fantasy 7 or something like that oh wow yeah i mean i spent so much time playing 64 um that i always had like envisioning dreams of jumping into a painting <laughs> and a painting you know <laughs> disappearing right behind me while I jump through it. And I have nightmares from that game because I would always get stuck on levels where they had the, you know, the, the big chompers that were chained. 
like they had run away. <laughs> dude, <laughs> yeah. And this is just like all day, every day doing that stuff. And and what's the other one? There? Oh, Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah. From the original Wii. Oh my god. Like my the probably my two favorite Mario's after um Super Mario Three and Super Mario World. Uh just because, you know, open level gaming for a Mario game where you can actually explore stuff. Um so pretty excited for those. Yeah, I, I think that's that should be an episode that we could do because man, Super Mario Brothers sixty four, lots of memories. Um still remember the first time I popped it um um onto my Nintendo sixty four. I was like, this is it. The pinnacle of video game <laughs> perfection. It has peaked. It has peaked. My, so, real quick question, then, since it is like an updated version of the game, will you be able to stretch Mario's face? Oh, in between? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Better. <laughs> they, they showed it. Did they? I haven't seen yeah. the video yet. Okay. Th- th- that's actually how they introduce it. They, 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 they show Mario's face, and then they start... Um, I was stretching. I was like, oh my God, Mario 64. <laughs> and then it's going to just be a bunch of, it's a me, Mario. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, I can't even tell you how long I actually spent stretching Mario's face. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just so I can get his mustache to disappear. <laughs> Lou, how about, uh, anything yeah. else that, that struck your fancy? Um, you know, I'm actually really curious about this whole competitive uh, uh, Mario 35 thing that they're going to do online on, on Nintendo. Um, uh, what do you call this component? But uh, yeah, their other online component, I guess it's kind of be, it'll be kind of like the um, the Tetris 99 where you can compete against 35 other people to be the last plumber standing. That's the, that's the gimmick that they're calling it over there. And like, it's, it, it blows my mind that there, there's even a concept of like competitive Mario brothers. But, you know, I, I tried playing Mario maker uh, at a, at a friend's house before. And like that stuff is like super intense for me. So I, I'm trying to imagine how, uh, how it is going to be, you know, playing competitively online uh, uh, with with collecting coins and and doing speed runs and that kind of stuff. It sounds really fun. I just know I'm gonna suck ball. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be horrible at it. But um, uh, that, that seems really uh, uh, you know kind of fun and exciting for me. So uh, looking forward to that too. To be fair, it's a video game, so yeah, you are going. To I will that. be garbage. I th- thank you. <laughs> um, just just want to point I, that out. I know this is like a sort of a side. What games would you say you're good at, Lou? I hate you. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, we, we, dis- we discussed this. No, you know, not, not to be... Okay, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at, like, again, to, to, to beat a dead horse. Ironically, I'm pretty good at support in Overwatch. So I would like to think that, um, you know, I, I'm pretty good at that one. So, like, not see, I, I can't even say it's all first-person shooters because I'm garbage at Call of Duty. So it's like a really specific first-person shooter that I'm good one at. Game <laughs> one game that I'm really good at. One game. This is one character really good. And um, actually, well, I, I, I've been I, I've been grinding it at Injustice Two, which came out freaking three four years ago. So I think I'm pretty good at that. But I'm pretty sure the uh, the competitive, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, yeah. The competitive uh, window out there is kind of coming gone. But yeah, uh, that's like uh, that's about it. <laughs> like you, Ooh, you've I seen, really you guys think... have seen me. Go, go for it. Go for it. Sorry. I, I, I sorry. I, I really think that you you had a missed opportunity because you're too cheap to buy like a decent computer. Um, because I, I think you would 
I think <laughs> you would be perfect for like a World of Warcraft, like the the actual MMO. Um, just because I, oh. I, I think you, I, you know, when I used to play, there was always, there was always like a lack of, um, there was always, it was always hard to find people to, to do like support, support really well. And any, <laughs> and anybody who, who actually knew how to be like a healer slash like long distance, um, like attacker, um, they were always welcomed with open arms. So. I think you missed the opportunity. I, I missed my window. I was... so you're, you're saying Lou could have been the next Leroy Jenkins? Yes. I, <laughs> I mean, it's good to know that you have a niche as in one game. <laughs> exactly, dude. I mean, and not, I'm, you know, I'm not knocking the fact that you're... Game. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's cool. It's a game. <laughs> It's a I, game that never got a sequel. Personally, played it only the one time at your house, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having, having your son yell at me while I'm trying to learn a video game for the first time, yeah, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> Not the I've best been there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is there um, any other potpourri that we want to talk about today? Yeah, just a couple of, I guess, a, not really, uh, maybe they're downers, but um, as you know, as Pretty much everyone here knows we're still living in a time of pandemic. Um, and you'd think that, you know, seven months into this thing that we'd be able to be somewhat back to a normal life. But apparently that thing is still out there. And the biggest star in the world and his family contracted the disease. Of course, I'm talking about Dwayne Rock Johnson. <laughs> I was, was going to say Robert Pattinson. I'm saving that for this. Saving him for next because I think we can go off him a little bit more. But so The Rock went on Instagram just a few days ago to announce that uh, him and his family had just recovered to, uh, from what he had said. Um, and he's very adamant that he had tried his best to, you know, uh, avoid all situations where he could have been put to, uh, you know, receive the disease. Uh, he had stopped working. He had done everything from his home. And, you know, even while he was at home, you know, he was able to purchase the XFL, uh, you know, get other movie production started and whatnot. And, you know, just a, a, a small situation where he had a bunch of family members over. And unfortunately, one of them had unknowingly had the disease and was, uh, uh, spread it to him and his family. So it's like his whole point was, you know, be vigilant and be very cautious because you never know. And luckily for him, he is the rock and he is a man made out of granite. So <laughs> he was able to, you know, power through just fine. His wife is pretty much the same way. Uh, they're both very athletic. And then, uh, but the sad thing is, not sad, but, you know, he has two little kids, two yeah. little girls. And unfortunately, they caught it too. And but they were luckily they were lucky in the fact that they had very minor uh, uh, effects, though only being like a small cold and whatnot. So it's like, yes, it, the 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 disease is beatable. But at the same time, who knows who else would have had gotten it if the rock never got tested? So it's like we we say this a lot on this podcast, and we're very adamant about it. We're you know just be careful. Remember, this is not about you, but this is about you and everybody around you. So please be very, very vigilant and protect yourself. Yeah, it's crazy because, I mean, you know, they, they, they call The Rock the hardest working man in Hollywood, which is true because dude 
even in the pandemic, like you said, he's bought a, a whole, you know, his, his shows on NBC. He's still, you know, promoting on DC fandom with, with, with Black Adam and doing who, you know, and, and he's, he's got his own line of freaking Under Armour everything, right? Like sneakers, workout gear, all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's amazing that he's, it's taken him not to be like a, a, a naysayer with him, but like this dude works so hard so much and he has to expose himself to so much, so many people. And yeah, it, it, it is a lesson to be learned. Like, you know, you can be, the, you can be super careful. You can be super vigilant, but it's still out there. So just, you know, be, be, be practical facts, uh, you know, about how, how you get, uh, what you're doing and all the little things like that. So I'm, I'm glad he's okay. Cause that would have really, that, that would have really stung if, uh, you know, bad news came out of that one, but yeah. So I'm, I'm glad he's okay. I'm glad his wife and his kids are okay. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible news. And hopefully this, hopefully actually, you know, I, I hate to make it like a pedestal, put him in his pedestal, but hopefully somebody as, uh, as high a profile as the rock gets it, like it's, it'll make force people to take it a little more seriously. You know, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Remember when the the pandemic first broke out? I was saying after Tom Tom Hanks said that he had it. Tom Hanks being the most popular actor in the world, um, I was like, dude, you know who would make it like a you big did. deal? I said The Rock. You did. And you did. It's crazy that dude, he's the most popular person. I, I know. <laughs> and, and the chances were pretty high in terms of like, I don't know, maybe. I mean, just saying the fact that this should spread awareness a little bit more, but I don't know if you're not aware by now, you know, seven know, months, right? six months into this, then <laughs> there's really no hope for you. So yeah, <laughs> then you're just, you're just putting your head in the sand then. Well, it's interesting that you guys both talked about the idea of, you know, getting back to normal, um, you know, and, and, and doing, going back to what we normally do. Um, it's interesting that the, I think the next person that um, Harold's going to talk about uh, is, was exact, doing exactly that, um, you know, going back to normal. Um, and of course, I'm talking about Robert Pattinson, um, you know, now all of a sudden starting the, the production for, for Batman was uh, was continuing, and then all of a sudden now, because Robert Pattinson um, got his uh, got COVID nineteen, um, production for the Batman all of a sudden has been shut down. Also, it's crazy. Like, because the the first report came out saying a crew member from the Batman has tested positive. You don't open with that kind of news story if the person that tested positive is the Batman. <laughs> Why don't you just say is the, the, Batman. the Batman got the virus? No, 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 no. Like, Harold, it, it was a it was a soundbite though. You know, it was like, look, so uh, um, somebody got uh, so, somebody uh, got um, the the virus, and then somebody asked, uh, "Who is it?" I'm Batman. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, okay, just checking. <laughs> but then, see that, see. So the crazy thing is, like, what you just talked about is. You people would imagine that things were going back to normal, right? Because yeah. that's kind of where everyone believes things are going. A whole production was shut down because one person. Like, even if it wasn't just Robert Pattinson and it was maybe someone else on that crew, mm -hmm. a whole production had to be stopped and delayed just because one person got it. And, and unfortunately, of course, it was the main the main character. So... What happens again if in the next couple of weeks after quarantine, someone else gets it? 
Right. How how much like how long are these delays going to keep happening if things like that happen? Like these guys are not working in the quote unquote bubble like the NBA players are doing, which I believe is still the best way for you know uh, group things to be working. Um, but if this is going to keep continuing, like how how bad are things going to get? Yeah, that's a great. Actually, I'm glad you brought up the NBA bubble because you know I, I'm sure I'm sure uh, I, I try to avoid social media nowadays because it's just picking landmines out there. But uh, I'm sure there's people who've criticized how the NBA has pulled it off or done this. But you know, are they doing too much? Are they gone too far with their protocol and all that stuff? And then you see something like this. Yeah, you see something like what what's happened at the Batman production where it just takes one. It just takes the one. I've actually been watching. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been watching. Um, uh, hard knocks on HBO and they're talk they, they've been following both the Rams and the chargers. It's a really interesting look as the first few episodes, the first two episodes have been, you know, half of it obviously is all the rookies, all the veterans, all the storylines, blah, blah, blah. But of course the overlying, uh, the overhanging fact or the, the shadow that's cast over the whole thing is the fact that all both teams have to practice and have to do all their activities under COVID-19 pro, uh, protocol and yeah there, there were some players that are saying this might be too much blah 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 but yeah like I said you, you know you look at this Batman production it just takes the one it just takes the one to show, shut everything down uh, you, you have to imagine that if knock on wood if somebody like even like what the most random right guard for the Rams catches it you know, that means the whole team is down, is out or, you know, you, you gotta, you, they gotta step out or, you know, do something uh, pretty drastic. So, you know, it's, it's tough. It's crazy. You know, I, I, I'm being an optimist that, you know, that there are rumor or word that, you know, there, there might be a vaccine coming out in a month or two or two or three months, however long. Um, but, you know, there, there's still, even with a vaccine, we still got to be careful. We still got to, you know, clean our, clean all of our stuff, wash your hands. We can stop breathing at each other's faces. Uh, and, and all that good stuff. So anyway, it's crazy that the Batman production has to be, uh, post, uh, you know, held off again. I don't know if this is going to postpone the, the distribution of the movie. Like I said, they did a big, you know, we, held, we, we had a whole big thing last week about when it, they're, they're going to finally drop this movie next week, uh, next year and how everybody's excited. So, um, yeah, hopefully everything turns out well, um, you know, uh, prayers to Pattinson and hopefully or whomever, and it goes, it goes okay for them. It's interesting you guys bring up the NBA and the bubble and everything and the NFL. Um, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, and I might be wrong of the conference, but um, if I remember right, it's the Big Ten um, was the one that, uh, the, the, that decided to postpone their season. And then all of a sudden, after Donald Trump um, had a conversation with the president, um, uh, of, of football affairs over there. And then all of a sudden now, the last couple of days, they've been talking about how there's a potential that they're re- that the Big Ten might come back by November. You know, um, and it, it's interesting that we see, you know, this, the, this two ways of looking at it where this, this, this um, school, you know, the different, the multiple schools wanting to bring football in, but you already have examples of um, colleges that are being shut down because right. of, of the, the rise of the COVID-19. So it's going to be interesting what's going to be happening in the next couple of months. You've seen yeah. that, uh, that argument, right? Where they're saying that uh, the fact that people want uh, college athletics back more than uh, college academics shows you what their priorities are. Yeah. 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 
it shows you what these universities really are about instead of uh, what they're supposed to be for. Because nobody's really, I mean, uh, I love my Big West. I love my Cal State schools. But nobody's telling, you know, nobody's knocking on the Matador, Matadome telling the Matadors to go back out there and play. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even when there wasn't COVID, no one was telling the Matadors to go out and play. Unless they were, what, unless they were in Van Wilder. Or Karate Kid back in, eight, in 83. But yeah, Dennis is right. They're, you know, you both, you guys are both right. Like, um, yeah, the, the, it's the Dukes and the Floridas and the, the, the you know, the Iowas and the, and these, uh, you know, these, these heartland breadbasket schools that you're right. Like this, these are not academic institutions anymore. They're looking, they are a, um, you know, source of entertainment, source of revenue. And that's what they all are. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy that, yeah, that, that, that came up. So, um, unless, uh, I think that's the end of our poopery, unless there's something else that you guys well, actually, talk about. Um, Harold brought up something in the chat that I totally just remembered. David Blaine floating oh, yeah. over Arizona. Oh. <laughs> that is right. That is right. So I literally only saw like a snapshot of it on Instagram. What's that about? Again, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I know it's David Blaine. Floating. <laughs> he has a hashtag. Ascension. Ascension. Oh, God. Ascension. How so, Jesus. Okay. So as, as you guys kind of know, I'm kind of a, like a YouTube junkie. Like, I thought you were going to call yourself like a Blaine head or whatever. Dude, I, no. man, I love David. Dude, I'm a Blaintologist, bro. Like, I love David Blaine. Um, but... Uh, he had a special that came out earlier this year and it was, it was, you know, usual Blaine, David Blaine magic stuff. Pretty cool. So, but you know, besides him doing magic, he's always been about these endurance tests he does for himself. Yeah. So yeah. building up to this, he was teaching people his breathing technique that uh, allowed him to hold his breath for a lot longer than most people do. And uh, they were like, why are you doing this? It's because he was going to ascend into the air just on balloons with no basket or anything, just him basically being the guy from up. Like, <laughs> like literally, <laughs> yeah, literally his whole deal was tie a bunch of balloons to me and see how high I can go. And then once he's very high, to parachute down. And I'll, it, it's the most ridiculous premise. But when you're watching it, the fact that he's doing it over like Arizona so it was like a bunch of desert. And then the only way for him to ascend was like he had a bunch of weights on him and he would drop the weights while he, you know, to get to different heights. And as someone who's afraid of heights, this thing already gave me super anxiety. <laughs> like anytime he was unclipping things, I was like, well, he's going to unclip himself and then just drop. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, it never happened. But it was cool because you would see him go up and he had like a. He had the cameras on him. He was able to communicate with his daughter and his team on the ground. And he had been practicing doing like uh, free, free jumps and skydiving. So when he got to like 25,000 feet, he was like, okay. 25,000 feet, by the yeah. way. That, yeah. that hurt me. <laughs> Anyone who was like yep, 100 feet over there, I was like, I was like, just jump, bro. Just it's done. Like hundred, like, do hundred. I would have been like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, even then, a dude Put ten feet. If I'm on top of a basketball, like I'm, I'm already like that's already too high for me. And this guy just kept on going up and up, and everyone was like, "Yeah, you got to get rid of it, bro." And he like did it, and then he did the 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 jump. He he free falled for eighteen thousand feet, 
and then he pulled it like 7,000. And then like I was telling Lewis or I was telling Twitter, it looked like he was arriving into Call of Duty the way he was like floating down. <laughs> yeah, like he had dude. just he exited the plane and gotten to Verdansk. And admittedly, it was like, it looks like the most ridiculous thing. Like if you only seen small clips, it's like, oh, cool. You know, David Blaine is flying. But the whole process, like all the things that David Blaine does to get into that, you know, mode in, in order for him to get prepared for things like that and the fact that they show you know his actual the whole actual thing where he like from beginning to end him floating up and then him jumping off uh it's pretty crazy so no magic whatsoever he didn't swallow a bunch of frogs while he was up <laughs> in the air um he didn't make the parachute disappear which would have been the worst trick ever or um <laughs> he made the balloons disappear and then all the people who are like environmentalists got pissed off at him because they were like you let all those balloons fly you dropped all these metal weights over the desert. You better pick them up. Like, yeah, David Blaine's going to go out and pick them up. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, po- points, though, for, like, the super bright balloons. Uh, you, you know what he was going for there. He's totally going for the – yeah, he's definitely obviously trying to go for the up look. But, I mean, that's cool. I mean, yeah, it, this dude's gone from, like, psyching out basketball players in practice to, to these crazy endurance tests. So, I mean, props to him. Something positive, something fun, something, like, people talked about, uh, you know, yeah, po- positively for, for a few minutes in, the, in this – you know, and if anything, he was uh, at how many feet did you say? 20,000? 20, almost 25,000. Jesus, that's super, you know, socially distant. So good for him on that <laughs> one. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's all I have for that one. I mean, kudos to him. I do love a big gimmicky magician. So that that's cool. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> wow. That's going to be. This would be a great segue. I know. Jesus. <laughs> Jeez, sorry. I should have thought about that segue. <laughs> Maybe we, if we edit this, we can move the Batman thing. <laughs> no, no. They've seen behind the curtain already. No, no, no. You guys. You guys. <laughs> okay. So, That's totally how we said um, this up. <laughs> so, Harold, um, you want to introduce us to the, 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 the last major um, uh, topic that we have for today? Oh man! Well, you know, like Lewis, Lewis just said, it was a great. The David Blaine thing was a great positive thing, um, especially having experienced what you know the world was unfortunately experiencing uh, over the same time just a couple of days ago. And when I heard the news, actually, Lewis was the first person to text us about it, and I didn't believe it. Um, I really had thought, you know, it had been one of those internet jokes. Um, another hoax, another, uh, but it was just another series, another event of uh, unfortunate moments that this year has really brought to us. And, you know, we have to talk about it. And that is the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman, uh, best known as uh, T'Challa, the Black Panther, um, and just a world global superstar. And he passed away from cancer, and it was just a shock to everybody because no one knew about his battle. And it's a crazy thing that in this world of instant information that no one had any clues. So, um, Lou, since you uh, were the one that broke the news to us, how did you first feel when you saw the news? Um, 
it was rough. It was rough, to be honest. I mean, personally, you know, I, I do appreciate him as an actor. When I found out, I was actually walking our dog uh, with my son. My wife was coming home late from work. So, you know, it's actually just me and my son. My son is 11 years old. And I got a text from another friend who, you know, forwarded me the Instagram. And I, I would, just like you did, like, I was thinking, like, that's not nice. Like, is this another one of those Jackie Chan's dead uh, you know, ho- horrible forwards, but yeah, just a quick, you know, scan of Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, literally a few minutes later on ba- basically every news cycle confirmed it. And um, I felt bad. I felt worse uh, to be honest for my son. Um, you know, this was one of, you know, uh, like I mentioned, he's 11 when Kobe passed. Yes, he was, he was sad, but that wasn't his guy. You know, when he, when, when my son was coming into basketball, Kobe was already towards the end of his career. Um, you know, he, he was on the cover of some of the 2K uh, games that I had, or, you know, he, he'd see them on those awesome rosters on those games, but it was never this guy, or he was never the guy. Uh, Chadwick Boseman on the other side, he told me while we were walking, and I, to- I, I just, when I told him while uh, we were on his walk, he was genuinely sad, because he said, like, that was his guy. Like, he grew up on him, like, with him, I mean, you know, uh, Black Panther came out, uh, help me out here, Harold, like 2018. So that's only yeah. two years ago. So, you know, this is, my son would have been eight, nine years old, formative years of his life. This is like one of the first, you know, PG movies I've, I've taken him to. Uh, you know, yes, obviously Chadwick and, and the Black Panther character uh, hit different for the African-American community. But, you know, he, it hit different, too, for a lot of the young, uh, you know, kids. Uh, growing up and you know trying to find their superheroes too so you know this is one of his guys so i, I felt i was sad for i was sad for my son because like i said you know he was he was a, a big fan he loved the character um so yeah it, it was it was a tough pill to swallow and definitely like you said i'm genuinely honestly surprised in this day and age of social media everybody getting up in your business tmz uh, all that stuff like how did we just now find out that he had cancer you know, well, um, uh, if if you guys um, were listening to the news today, um, his um, agent actually spoke on that topic, and um, it was one of those things where he didn't want anybody to to know. Um, and uh, the, the the agent was kind of talking about how he kind of fashioned his life and his career to like the older, uh, old fashioned like um, actors and actresses where. Um, it was not about them. It was about their craft. It was about you know um, making it uh, about themselves, uh, ma- making it about the, the 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 movie instead of themselves. And that spoke volumes to um, to, uh, to Chadwick Boseman, to be honest with you. And and, and I, I agree uh, with with what you were saying, Lou. That uh, it surprised me too that he wasn't able to do it. But um, you know, one of the things that he he mentioned was that. Um, the more he uh, and uh, the agent was saying was that the more um, he, Chadwick Boseman felt like the more um, they people looked at his life, the more he, uh, looked at his private persona, the less of a chance that he was going to get an opportunity for like different roles. And so he really kept everything to uh, close to the vest. And that's commendable, right? In this, <clears throat> like in this time of, like you said, um, you know, over uh, saturation of information to have someone hold a secret like that where, you know, there isn't a big statement that comes up saying I yeah. have cancer and I'm fighting. For yeah. It. Like you would, you would imagine anybody else who's in that spotlight for the most part would automatically say, 
oh, by the way, I have cancer. Like, you know, you've seen it several times when people have said, you know, I have made proclamations like that or announcements like that. And it's like, yeah, you, you say you have those announcements made. And at the same time, is it because you want people to know your fight or, you know, or do you want people to, to, uh, you know, kind of self pity or to pity you just a little bit? Is it a little, um, um, uh, narcissistic for you to make an announcement like that? Uh, I mean, in, I mean, in terms of uh, a pop culture figure, um, in you know, in real life, if we have someone who announces it, you know, automatically it's because you want people to know, and you know, if people are, are have ever been curious about you know your status and whatnot. So, to have someone who not just, you know, just a few months or like a, a year ago was in the biggest movie of all time. And um, just like that, to not have him even be a part of this world anymore, it's just, it's very tragic. And, and you, you feel sad because um, I, even I had to remember the fact that he's, I thought he would always be, he was younger than me just because, uh, you know, I guess he was in way better shape than I was. <laughs> but uh, I didn't realize how late into his, you know, for at least for an actor, how late of an age he had become into starting to become a superstar. Where it's like, um, you know, maybe in his in his mid thirties to late thirties is when he started becoming big. So, um, you know, kind of going back to what Lewis was talking about the the impact of it, um, and I think you and I, you and oh, the, all three of us, kind of talked about this at one point or another when we talked about like Kobe Bryant and you know um, and Anthony Bourdain. Um, I am not somebody who is like enamored with like the stars um and and, and everybody and um you know there are only, there were only a certain uh, number of people in my life where when they passed away i was uh, saddened i am i know you guys i think harold you mentioned once um about the impact of when um when um prince passed away mm-hmm. um you know um there the, the, there have been a lot of deaths out there and unfortunately, you know, I, I was saddened by it, and um, but it didn't really affect me as much as when we talked about, you know, like I said, Anthony Bourdain and Kobe Bryant. Um, what was what was interesting for me, and and when I heard about it, um, it was a mix of I wish I knew this person a little bit more, just because um, from based on what I've been reading, based on what everybody's been talking about, like this guy seemed like somebody that I could have, you know, I didn't know about looked up to, but at least somebody I could have respected a little bit more. But the sad part is that um, I was looking at his IMDB and all these things. And I got to tell you, aside from like the, the, um, the Marvel stuff, I really didn't know much about Chadwick Boseman. So it's, it's sad. And I think um, considering with what, everything that's happening, considering what um, everybody's saying that he stood for, I think um, that's one thing that um, I'm going to kind of try and see if I can d- discover. I, I mean, he, um, short career, you know, um, uh, there's, there's a, a lots of, of amazing movies that I saw there that I've not, tried to, uh, I haven't watched it so at least an opportunity for me to get to know his work at least I remember actually the first time I had uh, heard about him and then that's when I we started getting that running joke about him was um, when he was in 42 because I you know me I love autobiography or like biographies uh, biography movies some of my favorite stuff and two of 
my favorite things. Sports biographies. Yeah. <laughs> I was musical say. biographies. <laughs> the guy played both. Iconic characters in both. So the first time, uh, one of my buddies rented uh, 42. And we had no idea who this kid was. We mainly were like, well, Harrison Ford is in it. So, you know, it can't be that bad. And it was great. And having, at the moment, an unknown, an unknown actor playing, you know, the, one of the biggest sports heroes of all time. And then you having to relate to him and seeing all the struggles that not Jackie Robinson portrayed, but like having Chadwick Boseman, you know, engross that character. And like you said, he's, he's one of those method actors where he really put himself into it. And it's like, man, this kid is pretty good. Like you forget that he was just an actor and you're really going for him as uh, Jackie Robinson, because mainly Jackie Robinson was an, uh, a person that lived before our time. So we were never, never able to personally ever see him, which is the opposite of what he portrayed in uh, Get On Up, where he played James Brown. And James Brown was like a, someone that, you know, at least for me growing up, and obviously for you guys, because living in America, uh, we had seen him like a lot. And the dude literally was like, I can't play James Brown. But when he played it, it was like, if he, like, visually, he didn't look like him. But, like, like if he ever listened to him talk, it was like James Brown. He was, like, actually James Brown. And then it's, like, the great thing, not the great thing, it's, like, literally the same day he passed, they just happened to be showing Get On Up on TV. And I was, like, dude, I haven't watched this movie since it came out, and I'm going to watch it. And I was, like, dude, this is such a good movie. And him as James Brown was better than Rami playing Freddie Mercury. So, I mean, if the guy, if that guy was able to win an Oscar, then I, you know, Chadwick should have at least been nominated for one. That's an interesting take, dude. Cause, um, I want, I, I do now I really want to watch 42. I haven't had a chance to see that, but I did see get on up and dude, you're totally right. Um, there was some parts where he played older James Brown, where the makeup was or yeah, the, the prosthetics was a little rough. I'm like, <laughs> a little rough. Yeah, I was like, mm, that that looks like Eddie Murphy in like <laughs> in a in a in a clump uh, outfit. But you're like, right, dude. he looked like Eddie Murphy in the barbershop at Coming to America. Yeah, exactly. You're right at the beginning <laughs> of that one. Yeah, rough makeup. But dude, you're right. Like, um, you know, the dude is like the Daniel Day Lewis of our generation. Where I, I, apparently, dude is like totally when he gets into a role, he go he goes all in. And um, you know, there was one point in the movie when we were watching it. It, it is for if you're watch if you're listening to our podcast, um, you know, get on up is on HBO Go or Max, and uh, I think it's on HBO as well. So, you know, pull it up when you get a chance. It is a little rough. It is PG-13. Um, I do have to warn parents out there. It was a little, like, there's some scenes that are kind of tough that, you know, there's some PG-13 movies where I don't mind having my 11-year-old watching it. This one, um, I had to be like, I think this one, but you're going to have to sit in the other room or go play, go play your violent video games instead. That movie was PG-13? Yeah, dude. Right? No. That's what I said. No, no way. way. Wait a second. No way. <laughs> The first few minutes, like, oh, there's somebody. Hey. There's like, um, there is a lynched body, and there he's like, the kid is trying to steal his shoes. I'm like, yeah, bud, why don't you go ahead and uh, play your video games? Well, mom and I are gonna finish this. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I digress. Like when when I stepped out, uh, like I said, we're watching it. Um, when I stepped out to the kitchen for a moment, um, you 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 hear Chadwick Boseman play James Brown, and you can't help but think. 
like dude is james brown like, or you couldn't help but think that is james brown talking and, and I, you know i'm not of the generation that grew up on james brown but you know yeah we grew up in the 80s so of course you know his soundtrack and you know how he sounds so yeah it, it, like dude went all in on him so kudos to them i'm he so he did not get nominated for this one i don't believe so I'm oh not that's sure. that's that's tough because obviously but dude, yeah what if you watch that movie no one else is doing that like no one could play that role no, I don't know. I don't no. know anyone that could have pulled that off. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the dancing too. Come on. Yeah, man. dude. Yeah, I was gonna say. See, I was gonna ask if in '42 is like how was he? Not that I'm like a a baseball expert or anything, but like how was he during the like the sports scenes? Like you know that that's that's he gotta is, be like a pretty. He's a passable athlete. He's an actual look... athlete. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Dude, he All does. Right. He did uh, Eskrima. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Oh, or yeah. Black yeah. Panther. Oh, okay. Wow. No, All even right. before that. Oh, even before yeah. that. Wow. Okay. You should see some of his videos. Um, he's legit, dude. He's legit really? FMA. Nice, dude. Nice. Okay, I gotta look that up. That sounds really cool. Good for him. Like he, it sounds like he lived his life, man. So that's that's great. And again, like kudos for him for keeping it all under uh, uh, under wraps or all that good stuff. And it's it's actually, if anything, too, dude, thank you, Dennis, for bringing it up. That yes, it's one thing that he kept it a secret, like he himself. But that also means like if you're going through something as intense as cancer, that means you're going to doctors, you're going to treatment, you're going to all that stuff. So, you know, he has probably catered that in a, uh, that you know that that kind of environment where he asked all these people to like keep it on download, like it just. Like I said, in this TMZ generation, it just takes one snitch to call them and be like, you'll never know who was here at, you know, at, at the center or guess who's getting chemo today. You know, it's this guy. And, you know, it, and it sucks, too, because I still remember, you know, Twitter a few. Was it just last year, H, where he was at the All-Star game? And, you know, Twitter was going off a little, a little bit, like saying, like, oh, Bozeman doesn't look like he's interested or, you know, yeah. he, he's he's in a front row he's throwing up the Wakanda forever, but it doesn't look like he's in on it or he's into it, you know, or even actually, wasn't that the meme for a while too, when they, when they caught him, there's a candid picture of him doing the Wakanda forever sign. And his face was kind of like, you know, either he was tired or was like, you know, Wakanda never or Wakanda yeah. maybe later. So, you know, in retrospect, that's, it's tough. Cause obviously at that point, he's already been battling the disease for two years, you know, and he's he's forced to do these press junkets, these red carpets, all of these huge events, these comic cons, and all these public events. And dude did it, you know. He's out there, so props to him, uh, you know, celebrating life and knowing what he's up against. So yeah, it, it's it's tough and more nothing but, but but nothing but respect for him. Well, it's it's funny, it, and along those lines, um, Lou, you know, um, not only was it that you know, um, Wakanda. Uh, you know, maybe later, um, meme. but the, you know, like um, some of the, his other films, um, like especially the last couple of years, um, you know, I think the, there was one that people were talking about, like 21 Bridges and like the, the Five Bloods, I think people were talking about where um, people were like, dude, what's going on with, you know, um, I thought he's supposed to be like ripped. I thought he's supposed to be, um, you know, a, a T'Challa. Um, how come he looks frail? How come he looks this? And wow. I mean, it, in a way, looking back, you know, it really was just body shaming somebody who could not, you know, couldn't eat properly anymore, couldn't really right. um, help himself anymore. Um, and he was just trying to get through it as best as he can. And there were all these like 
you know, trolls just just uh, just talking smack about it. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I mean, yeah, that whole, like you said, there was that big running gag earlier in the year where, like, at the, the beginning of pandemic, people were like, "I think Chadwick Boseman has it because he looks like he hasn't eaten in a few days." You know, kind of stuff like that. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like we joke about. You don't joke about people who look sickly, you know. You're not supposed to, you know. In general, we we don't joke about unless they're our friends or whatnot. We're, not, we're, <laughs> t- we're tending not to joke about people's appearances at all. Yeah. Uh, but people like I I love the message that's been going around. Not particularly love, but it's like if we don't know what other people are going through, then we shouldn't criticize what they you know what we see from what other people are showing them. So it's like, if he outright isn't, or if any person isn't outright telling you what they're going through, then you have no idea what they're, they've been through. So, Absolutely. I think, yeah, th- that's a great takeaway from this thing. I mean, yes, obviously celebrate his career, celebrate what his contribution is, but if anything, that's the best lesson to, to take away from this is just, yeah, we, we never know what anybody is going through. So maybe just shut your mouth or keep your Twitter fingers off or, you know, you just, don't post, don't share, don't assume, because, yeah, it's t- it's a tough look in retrospect. Yeah. Like, so, with his passing, a lot of a lot of people I know and a lot of people on the internet have been um, taking his passing very personally um, because of the message that he brought with the films that he created and for the persona that he was, or the person that he was to our society. Um, and I found myself for a little bit posting some of his things, but like Dennison Lewis kind of inferred is like, we didn't know him well enough to grieve as hard as we might have grieved if we hadn't, uh, you know, been a fan of his, I guess a little bit longer. Um, so the question I posed to these guys is, and Dennis mentioned it earlier in terms of, have there been any other kind of deaths besides personal ones that, you know, that have affected you like, uh, personally in terms of I didn't know them but I feel like I knew them and it hurt me deeply when I found out that they had gone um I'll start I guess um and and kind of going back to what I was talking about where um it's 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 hard for me to talk about it just because um you know I've seen people you know the last couple years especially on Facebook every single time we see somebody pass away and everybody's doing like in memoriam you know, talking about, you know, the memories and everything. And part of me kind of feels bad because I'm like, dude, I, I wish, I wish I knew uh, what everybody was feeling. I wish I knew what, uh, uh, what, what, uh, what you guys were going through. So I could like kind of share, you know, not necessarily share that, that, uh, the pain, but kind of like be able to kind of help and, and talk and, and, and get to know what's going on. Um, I think too, that you, that we already talked about in, um, this podcast, Anthony Bourdain and um, and Kobe Bryant, definitely two that that uh, triggered me. Um, but the one, the only other one that I can really think of, and I think because of my interests, because of um, you know the, the the what I consider to be um, you know uh, things that I love doing, um, I think the the other one that I can think of off the top of my head would be Stanley's death. You know, um, Stan, when Stanley passed away, 
Um, I, again, um, I knew him. Uh, I didn't know him as well as uh, the, the others, as Anthony Bourdain and them. But because I grew up knowing him, I grew up knowing of the characters that he has, and then all the movies um, that that he did, and then all the cameos that he did. All of a sudden, he became such a, a much bigger um, character in my in, in my life, in my in my head. And when I uh, when when he passed away, I distinctly remember one of the few times that I really felt bad. You know, at the same time, I I, I was also looking at the, his work. I was looking at his um, his his um, his his body of work. And I guess at that point, uh, at the same time, unlike Kobe Bryant, unlike Chadwick Boseman, um, it wasn't as sad. It was more of, man, you know, I wish I was able to live. I wish I could live a life that this guy did, you know. And so um, first person I can think of would be um, Stanley. Awesome, Paul. Yeah, I think that definitely hit a lot of us comic book fans different. So um, for me, dude, I think it's kind of a deep cut and like a really weird, um, you know, I'm glad Harold brought it up because, yeah, it, it does really make you think because, yeah, celebrity culture in America is definitely like a weird one for for people outside the bubble or, or outside looking in. Um, you know, we, we, we defy almost these people, but, um, in, in this case, like when this uh, person passed, it hit me differently just because like, it was so short, he lived such a short life in a sense, but he was also in one of the, well, one of my favorite things as a, as a, as a nerd, um, deep cut, but I'm talking about Umaga, uh, 85 is his real name. <clears throat> like if you're like he's kind of a deep cut wrestling guy like he's not like the rock obviously but he's i mean he's the cousin he's the rock's cousin um you know he's not he didn't headline wrestlemania oh even though he did. wasn't that bad oh yeah that one year he did he was in battle of the billionaires with oh my god with trump versus uh vince mcmahon but um you know it, it he passed away 2009 so almost 10 years ago and it hit me different just because and I think, you know, this, we brought this up when we reviewed Moana and some of the other uh, shows or movies that have an Asian flair. But, you know, representation is kind of a big thing for me. Um, and in a sense, like, I love, I love any and all Samoan wrestlers. Um, you know, Umaga, though, like, he was kind of our age in a sense. I think he was only in his 30s when he passed away or something like that. So I think he was born in like the mid-70s or something, or late 70s. So he's kind of in our age, our range. He was like a worker. Like if you're a wrestling nerd, a worker is that guy that like, he, he, he he's, he's the Ricky Steamboat of you know of, of the client like he would work he was yes he was the big like some uh, he was the big warrior uh you know non-english speaking weirdo but even though he spoke perfectly good english but you know vince mcmahon likes his stereotypes but you know he he worked his butt off he made everybody look like a million bucks and he could you know he could flip he could throw he could you know sell he could make you know he he had like one of my favorite matches against john cena uh in one year but, you know, he passed away suddenly from a heart attack. And it made me think of, like, dude, like, this guy's in great shape. Like, this guy is a wrestler, obviously. But, you know, wear and tear, I guess. Or, you know, maybe uh, some, some, some health or some, some disease that we wasn't detected got, uh, got to him at, at such a young age. And it really affected me. Because, like I said, you know, in, in wrestling, there's tons and tons of dudes that come and go. Uh, but he was, like, my guy. Like, I was really rooting for him 
to become a world champion. And, you know, yes, world champions don't really, or championships don't really mean much in the scheme of things. He, he, he wouldn't get the extra pay, but at least he would have gotten that recognition for all the work that he put in and all that good stuff. So, you know, um, yeah, well, that's my choice. So, or uh, that's somebody's passing who, who kind of hit me differently. So, Umaga. Um, it's funny that you talk about that because my first example was going to be a wrestler. Um, oh, <laughs> I didn't know you were going to go that route, but I, I just look. I, I mean, as a as a child, I guess um, celebrity passings weren't too. Uh, I, you know, they didn't affect me too much. I think only as a kid, maybe Kurt Cobain's was the only one where I was like, "Dude, that sucks." But as an adult. I never had cried for a celebrity, and I don't think I have since. Besides Kobe, uh, was Eddie Guerrero? Like, oh wow, yeah. Um, I had been a super fan of Eddie Guerrero. Like, he was one of the only reasons I watched WCW. Um, I didn't watch WCW for the NWO because I thought they were boring. I watched WCW for the uh, wrestlers, the yeah. the cruiserweights. Yeah. And my favorite cruiserweight was Eddie Guerrero because when he powerbombed Rey Mysterio, I thought he powerbombed him through the the ring. And it was the most horrific powerbomb I've ever seen in my life. And he had one of my favorite matches of all time with Rey Mysterio at Halloween Havoc 97. I reference that all the time. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't know. I just love that match. And from like when he first started at WCW, I was like, dude, this guy is the bomb. Like, I, I love this. This guy is my favorite. And when he switched over to WWF at the time, I was like, "This is the," I was like, "This is the biggest coup." Like my favorite wrestler is now on my favorite, uh, you know, brand, and right away he pops his, he dislocates his shoulder on his second match. So I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> what, what a waste!" <laughs> and then he comes back and he's awesome. And it's like he was a douchebag in WCW, and he became like a, an in betweener when he got to WWF, and. Dude, he was like so much fun to follow. He had like some, like I said, some of my favorite matches of all time were Eddie Guerrero matches. And one of the few times where I got emotional during a wrestling match was when he beat Brock Lesnar for a title because I never thought that was going to happen. Like, I remember watching that pay per view and yeah, he kind of cheated to get there, but eh, stuff happens. That's his thing. That's but, his thing, man. <laughs> yeah, that's his thing. And he's maybe 5'8, you know? Being generous here, he's probably more our height. With his big boots, sure. Five yeah. <laughs> and he beats Lesnar, who's 6'2", 260. And, you know, I mean, and in his hometown with his family there, one of the best wrestling moments of all time. Um, when I heard that he had passed away, I, you know, that was during my big internet uh, wrestling follow. I'm still a big wrestling fan, but back then I followed every news tidbit and like every day I would go onto all the, the dirt sheets and see what's happening. And literally the first uh, thing was like, Eddie Guerrero passed away. And I was like, that, I was like, that can't be. And like a few minutes later, they had the press conference with Chavo and Vince. And I was like, Oh my God, it's real. And when they, I'm getting like chills talking about it, but <laughs> when they had the memorial show for him, like I literally was like bawling the whole time. And I was like, dude, it's crazy. Cause like, you know, me big, DVD collection. His his DVD is one of like my favorites because it like gives his back his backstory and all his great matches. And I was like, dude, this, I mean, he's one of my favorites. And then literally when I found out he passed, like I was like so in shock. 
I was telling all these people, like, I can't believe of all the people who passed away. It's like pretty much my favorite wrestler at the time. So yeah, that was the first time where I was like, I don't know this guy, but I'm grieving for him. So sorry, um, choked up there. Um, not not because of Eddie, but like literally. Um, the the only other one I can think of, and I, I have to tell you, and I, I guess it's a good thing and bad thing that this is how I feel. Um, which, by the way, I was looking, I, 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 a name just popped up. Do you guys know that Kimbo Slice passed away? Yeah. I did not. Like, yeah. I thought, I really thought he just, like, passed away, like, in secure, like, in, in, in uh, uh, obscurity or something. But never mind. Um, the, 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 the other one that, the other death that I distinctly remember, um, and it wasn't, it, it was because of, the person that passed away, but because of what, because of like the news coverage um, that happened after that, that really affected me in a big way. Um, and I know this might sound corny, but um, the one I want to talk about is um, the crocodile. Um, hey, like, dude, that, that hit, dude. Yeah. That w- yeah. When he passed away, that, it hit. Like, I was like, oh, crap, because um, it's really nerdy, but I actually liked him. Like I liked watching his show. Like I re- like, and I know this sounds bad, but there were always times in my like, oh man, is this when is this when the crocodiles are actually gonna get him? You know, is, <laughs> is this what? And this it, it was <laughs> it, it, the the way they they filmed those things. It it was so exciting because um you know he was so down to earth. He was so natural, and the fact that a freaking manta ray or stingray was the one that got him instead of those other things that uh, that he was going after. But the one thing that really got to me, and again, and again I said, like I said, um, Steve Irwin passing away really sad already. But I distinctly remember um, seeing a video of um, him, uh, 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 like of his wife and his daughter, Bindi Irwin, um, like crying, like on the day of his death. And they were, and, and he was still. They were still talking about conservation and all those things. I was like, dude, just that image to this day still sticks. So, um, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, rest in peace, dude. Yeah, that's a great one too, dude. Because uh, yeah, he had a, like he had he was super like um, enthusiastic about everything he did. He was like up in that like uh, I mean I don't know if it's if he's in that uh, Mount Rushmore yet of like. Bob Ross kind of dudes who were like super happy, enthusiastic to do what they wanted to do. And yeah, that sucks. I mean, I guess it does come with the territory, unfortunately, that it is super dangerous being around these animals. But yeah, that's, um, and you know, it's, it's sad that they pass, but it is kind of like nice to see that besides Bindi, I think the other son too, right? Is also a, um, continuing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the, yeah, the it, family's still doing doing the work right yeah yeah so that's 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 positive or that's really nice that you know that that's still happening um for me yeah i think i can only really do two as well as um so when um the one that really uh, hit or uh, yeah hit me badly back then was um uh, when Aliyah passed um Aliyah in the scheme of all of those who unfortunately passed in the 90s and the late in the early 2000s you know 
people would be forced uh, to, to have to even remember or think about where they were or what happened uh, when, when this uh, news came out. But yeah, for me, I, I think it was one of those where like, yeah, she, she was just like, I'll be honest, like she was such a beautiful voice, such a beautiful woman. And she's, yeah, I'm looking it up right now. She was our age. She was born in 1979. Yeah, she's only she a year older than me. I remember that. Yeah, so she would have only been in her in her forties, like like us, and she should she should be around making you know Netflix shows or you know co-starring in other stuff with uh, on on Power or whatever. Dancing I, with the Stars or something. Exactly, or doing Dancing with the Stars. But you know she uh, uh, and I think what hurt me as well is the fact that how how she went. You know, it was a tragic accident that in the in the scheme of things, it could have been avoided. I mean, just unfortunately, kind of like the Richie Valens accident and all that stuff. It could have been avoided with some foresight or with some, you know, enforcing uh, rules about like, you know, how uh, how or when that plane was supposed to leave. And, you know, she's she left such a great like um, discography, like she has such great songs. Um, you know, a, a lot of which were the soundtracks to our homecomings and our proms back then. So, you know, <clears throat> it was one of those like, yeah, she, she when, you know, I was too young when the John Lennon's passed away um, to, to really matter that that affected my parents because uh, Obviously, the Beatles were their generation. Um, no offense to Kurt Cobain or even to Tupac, but you know when it came to this country, they were huge already. But that was for the people who were already here. Um, Aaliyah, when she passed away in two thousand one, you know those was already like five, you know, uh, almost ten years into me being here in America. So she was kind of one of those artists that I grew up with. So the fact that yes, a she was our age, b I grew up with her music, and c the fact that she was taken away so so you know, violently. And so suddenly was really affected me. So yeah, that, yeah, that was, that was one of the ones that, that really affected me badly. Yeah. That's, that one still stings. Uh, literally her songs were like the soundtrack to some of the most important moments of my life, I would say. Oh yeah. Um, like a lot of anytime she had a big song, big things were happening. Like we discussed in our 1994 thing. Uh, that's when aging nothing but a number came out. Like, Back and Forth came out that year. Mm-hmm. Um, um, at Your Best on, on those albums. Like in 98 when I went to, to the Philippines on by myself, um, that was when um, the Dr. Doolittle came, song came out. Oh, dude, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't, oh, I'm blanking at the number right, right, right is. Are You That um, Somebody. Yeah, Are You That Somebody. And then like um, uh, Try Again was when Dennis was, PC, not Dennis was PCN coordinator. Some or uh, whoever's PCN coordinator after Dennis, when Lewis's first PCN, that song came out, and uh, we played that at Dennis's apartment for <laughs> God knows how many times that year. So it's like, yeah, dude. And then it's funny that you know, I guess we're on. Nope. I guess you're. Nope. Uh, yep, still here. Yes, yeah, here. Sorry. Um, well, the, the, sorry, um, there was a huge like, yeah. There's a dropout. Yeah. Um. All right, but uh, yeah, it's a funny Lou that you go with you know music. Um, because for my last examples, I'm gonna go with two people that passed away recently that have been that affected me pretty well or pretty badly, I'd say. And it's kind of the, they one caused the other, I guess, from what I've learned to believe. And the first one being uh, Chris Cornell, the lead singer of Soundgarden. Um, and then a month or two later, uh, Chester Bennington. 
the lead singer of Linkin Park. Yeah, uh, that's a tough one too, dude. Okay. Dude, wow. like Chris Cornell, uh, Black Holes, I, I they, and every time someone says like, who's the best singer of all time? I always go, dude, Chris Cornell, because his voice was transcendent, bro. Like uh, when he did, uh, uh, when he did Black Hole Sun, that's probably one of the best songs. And then when he did the uh, the soundtrack to one of the uh, Bond movies. Oh, yeah. He was able to do that by himself. And then, but because he, you know, unfortunately killed himself, Chester Bennington was like, man, if he had so much to live for, then what do I have to live for? And he ended up killing himself as well. Um, but Chester Bennington more affecting than anything else because... Dude, when Hybrid Theory came out, that was when we were already in college. And that was like one of the first CDs I got for my car. And I listened to that. <laughs> I listened to that dang CD so many times. And I remember Dennis, your brother, was super excited because he <laughs> loved Linkin Park as well. Yep. And when their second album came out, your brother, when we were in the car, your brother was like, dude, have you heard this song? And I was like, yeah, buddy, have you heard the next song that's coming out? And for that one Sports Fest weekend, me and your brother <laughs> played those songs like ad nauseum, bro. Like, we did not stop listening to that. And then it was like, everything on those, like, first Linkin Park albums. And then when he did the album with Jay-Z, the, mm-hmm. hype, uh, the, uh, the yeah. crossover thing, it's like, dude, man, I was like, this guy, this guy's voice is crazy because... It sounds like he's singing, but he can also scream. Which is, I was like, that, like, like if you take Chester Bennington's voice outside of Linkin Park, technically he could be singing like R&B songs. You know what I mean? That's how smooth his voice was to me. And it was like the lyrics from the songs were so good. And dude, how many times have we tried to emulate doing those songs in karaoke sessions? Like, I have no idea how many times I've listened to all of Linkin Park songs. Like, the one that still gets to me is um, uh, they have a song called "Bleed It Out," and one of the word, one of the the lyrics is like um, "hanging hanging by a noose," and I'm like, dude, that's an unfortunate wording. Like, yeah, that's that's the way he ended up going. In and then, yeah. and then them be <laughs> them being the main songs for both of the first two Transformer movies, <laughs> like like when. Like when Transformers One finished, and I was like, "Hey, that was a movie. It was pretty good." Yeah. And then they started playing like "What I've Done." I'm like, "Dude, that what a movie!" <laughs> I was like, "Man, <laughs> Lincoln Park, bro." So like, ever since then, it's like, I can, you know how I am. I'm very, um, like, uh, I, I get uh, caught up in old memories, and I want to relive them. And I love watching old performances of like Lincoln Park and stuff just because it's like, yeah, that was my guy for like, for like a decade pretty much. And for him not to be around anymore, for him not to be singing those songs and for that legacy to, you know, end up passing just uh, based on what happened to him. It's like very unfortunate. And yeah. 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 Well, you know, uh, and a shout out to all the people that we just talked about. Um, prayers and thoughts go to uh, Chadwick Boseman, his wife, um, and his family, definitely. And, you know, um, 
at least for me, that's the that's that's the beauty and at the same time the tragedy of of celebrity where you know we don't we we take these people so personally um even though we don't necessarily know them like you know i i didn't know who kobe bryant was but when he passed away he was you know it 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 was a gut punch um you know to my heart basically i don't know if that's even possible um but the fact that you know looking back we the, you know, the years after we can still remember this kind of shows you that even though we didn't know them, there's really, they impacted our lives. And at least at one point in my life, I want to be able to do that same thing. You know what I mean? Be able to be able to impact somebody in that way. So um, can you guys think of anything else before we um, end our episode today? Um, I think that's all I got, dude. I mean, yeah, it's uh, de- definitely celebrate life. I think, especially now uh, with everything going on, um, choose kind words instead of uh, being a troll or a dick. <laughs> you know, if you have nothing nice to say, just maybe just chill. <laughs> don't don't say nothing, because you never know. Like like what we've been saying this whole episode, you never know what somebody's going through. Yeah, there's. I mean, I read that the phenomenon, the phenomenon, the phenomenon, <laughs> where. Um, you empathize with people that you don't know is because you see something in your personal life that they, uh, uh, that it may not directly affect, but it, sometimes it triggers you. So it's like someone, like you said, uh, if we have people that we love entertaining us, we get like memories of uh, particular moments, why they entertained us. And then we relate it to maybe something that, you know, we're trying to, trying to get past and it just brings up those memories and it's like either sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad so you end up you know personalizing things and it's good because it shows that you know you actually have some kind of empathy and sympathy for other human beings where it's like you you uh, you recognize that even though like we say you don't know them personally the fact that somehow they made an impact on not maybe not just you, but a lot of other people shows that, uh, you know, you have the ability to say that because they did something for some other people that they should be recognized for it and we should appreciate their lives. So, yep. and at, at the same time for everybody else who's out there, you know, struggling and everything, um, there are people in your own lives that, you know, can affect you and, uh, in equally positive way. So please be out there. Please appreciate those people because you never know. That's a good note. That's a good note. Yeah. You're right. And uh, yeah, we'll use a Harold's note there to kind of end our episode today. Um, as usual, if you liked our episode, please take a listen to all our old uh, episodes. You can take a look at those episodes at the two fanboys, one, uh, the two fanboys, one casual dot Um, and also we have our other, um, websites or you know those things Social media. Um, there you go i'll yep. figure it out one of these days <laughs> that thing that you guys talk about um on uh, facebook you can find us two fanboys and a filthy casual every time the podcast goes live we'll be posting it there um not to mention our very fun very active facebook group as well uh, two fanboys and the filthy casual uh, group a uh, bunch of like-minded nerds and geeks who love to talk about all stuff video games movies tv streaming music uh anything uh, out there under the sun 
So look for us, add us. Um, we'll gladly add you to the group. And then on uh, Twitter and Instagram, two fanboys, one casual. And as usual, anywhere you can find their regular and favorite podcast, we are there as well. Awesome. That's it for us today. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our show. Uh, our show. Um, this is Dennis. This is Lewis. And this is Harold. This is two fanboys and a filthy casual. See you guys next week. Wakanda forever. <laughs>